0: welcome back to hashtag single with Jeanette Bonner I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single independent feminist Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hashtag Single. I'm so happy that you are here with us today. Um, If you've been tuning in recently, you may have noticed we've taken a little detour this year from having conversations with awesome singles to tackling some larger topics. This is both pulling from what's going on in my own life. but also taking the temperature of the single world, which is to say a lot of people are struggling with major issues of disconnection, dissatisfaction, and loneliness more than ever. So I wanted to sort of address and tackle some of these issues for the single community, and I decided to bring in an incredible woman who I've worked with for years as a mentor, guide, coach, guru, um, and probably everything in between for me in my creative career and also on my journey towards personal growth. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Ms. Liz Kimball. Liz, I'm so happy to have you as a guest
1: on Hashtag Single. Thank I you. am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Liz and I have not seen each other, well, I was saying in person, but like this is, a you know, we're still virtual, but just seeing your face in real time is very exciting for me been years.
1: I know or has it or what is even time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: is time? What is pandemic? Who are we? What is real? I know. I wanted to recognize and thank you for your your thoughts and your words that you share on social media specifically. One of the reasons that you're here and I'm sharing you with the hashtag single community is I don't even know how to like give it a framework or a title. But let's just say I was struggling with struggling with where I was at in my life and where I was at with my personal projects. And your words just really seem to find the right place, not just for me, but with many women who are strong leaders trying to carve out a path for themselves. So thank you for your
1: inspiring posts as always. Oh it's I'm so happy to hear that they had that resonance for you. That means the world.
0: I'm sure it does. I was just thinking about when I was working through my, my own podcast block, if you will. I was talking to someone who who took the quandary of a po- podcast block and actually did a podcast for me, like an episode talking about podcast block, and she was talking about how, you know, one of the reasons like creativity block is there is cuz you don't know, you don't have direct impact with who your audience is. Like she's like people are listening but you don't hear from them because we listen to podcasts and we don't reach out to the people being like, great episode. You know what I mean? Like we all don't do that. So I was thinking about you and how you're always generous with your soul and your words, but you're always putting yourself out there. And are you receiving back,
1: knowing how many people are benefiting from what you're saying and what you're sharing? That's such an interesting question. And I do think one of the kind of commitments we make creating in the digital world is saying like, you're committing to the truth or that's how I think of it. Like I'm committing to the truth. I'm going to commit to expressing it through containers that like work, you know, if they, if I can find them Instagram or my blog or whatever, and then releasing the idea that you will ever really know how they're landing on people. Like some, you know, you'll get, you get feedback then you get positive feedback. You get never, you get all the feedback mm-hmm. and then <laughs> there's all kinds of things that are happening that you don't know about. And it's just kind of this like, Great release, I think, because it's just part of the magic. I think of digital culture, but also it can it can feel kind of fractured, and you can feel a little bit like you're in a void. <laughs> I definitely yeah. relate
0: to that. It's a it's a nice reframe to call it magic instead of soul sucking.
1: But it's wild, right? I'll get an email from somebody or someone be like, "You don't know what you've done for me," and I'm like, "I don't like do tell." Yeah, and it, <laughs> tell you know, me more. it will be like, <laughs> like. You know, years of reading your newsletters or, you know, watch like taking your Instagram and like that got me through X time in my life. And I'm like, well, here's what's really interesting. I'm sure during that time I went through my own dark nights where I was like, is this worth it? No, it's not. Nobody wants to, you know, this is not, I'm losing relevance. You know, one of my greatest fears is I'm a lot, is a very human fear. Like I'm not helping in the way that I want to be helping. So I'm sure I went through that story with myself so many times. It just like goes back to like, you can't assume. Like the, the, I just sort of think how assumption can just kill so much of that space between us where a lot is happening. And in the digital culture, the space between us is so real, you just can't see it. You can't kind yes. of like feel it, but it it does exist, yes. and that's why I do think it's a kind of magic, like because when we're in person, we feel the space between us, and it's got such potential. But when we're in the digital world, I don't feel it. So I think that's why it's hard. like, and even when I'm on Zoom and I'm leading stuff, I don't feel it. I'm like, I'm getting nothing here. But then there's still transformative things happening. So I've had to kind of like conceive of it without feeling it. So I yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so glad we're vibing on the same level. Um, before we get ahead of ourselves, I want to introduce you to everyone. So I'm going to read your bio just so people know your background, where you're coming from, who the hell you are, even though I, I introduced you, but um, this is your official, official bio. Liz Kimball is a creativity coach, writer, and speaker dedicated to helping the next generation of women creators produce the major meaningful creative works in their lifetime. Liz's work stems from the intersection of creativity and womanhood and focuses on catalyzing individual and collective change through the creative process. She's the founder of the original source Creativity Incubator and the Creative 15 program, a free 15-day guided experience to help you move from stuck to flow in 15 minutes a day. Her work has been featured on TEDx and Oprah.com, as well as at the Guggenheim New School, the Female Quotient, and at universities and institutions throughout the country. She currently lives in New Jersey with her husband and her two little ones. Anything you want to add? (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: It's always so sweaty to listen to one's own bio read out loud. So now that's over.
0: That's I find that fascinating as well. You're not the first person to be uncomfortable with it. And everyone's like, gosh, it feels so, you know, I feel so embarrassed, like, listening to you talk about me. And I'm like, no, no. As you always say, like, let's celebrate how awesome we are. Like, own your achievements and be like, I fucking did all that. That's right. It's true. That's who I am and that's what I do and that's what I love. So to start, because your work focuses so much on the personal journey and work of women, um, I thought I'd just sort of open question... And no wrong answer. I'm curious what your thoughts and perspective are on what's going on in our culture with regards to being a woman. Like what themes or messages are you receiving
1: right now? Yeah. I mean, so like the words that that is coming to mind is contraction before the expansion. You know, I do a lot of thinking about expansion and it being like a natural part of Biology and the world and the universe is expanding, but like also that contraction is a part of it. And like you know, when we look at sort of expansion in biology and like a woman giving birth, even it's like she has to contract before she expands. It's like part of part of the Mm. journey. So I'm an eternal optimist. I will be a just a a hoping hope like hope centered optimist until I die. It's just who I am. Is like it take it or leave it. But, um, I think, so I really believe we're on a path of expansion, but I mean, just straight up, like living in the U S most women I know feel, um, like you can't help, but feel like your freedom is being diminished and taken away from you. And that, uh, you know, what's interesting as it intersects with my work around cr- like sharing your voice with the world, essentially sharing your creative voice with the world is like, there is this mass, Cultural attempt that's been going on for hundreds of years to diminish women's voices because I think women's Mm -hmm. voices are like a huge part of our whole. Whole expansion, right? Like the expansion we're meant to have collectively is like, you know, we have to have women express fully expressed, and we have to have marginalized people fully expressed, and the culture is just designed to not let us be fully expressed. How do we do that? Control her body. How do we do that? You know, don't like literally take away her body sovereignty, take away take away her reproductive freedom. And I just think the reproductive, the issues going on with reproductive rights are so linked for so many of us to some of the things that might be coming up in our personal lives and in our um, creative lives, even around freedom and sort of feeling contraction and repressed and constricted that might not like feel like, yeah, but you might be living in a progressive state where you're like, I'm not really feeling it. But I think if we're all connected, like we're all each other, we're feeling it. Like we are each other, and that I mean, that makes me cry. It's like so like we're we're feeling the constriction and the repression of mm. our sisters who might, you know, if you're living and maybe you, somebody folks listening right now, you're living in states where um there's a lot more laws than in the state that I live right now. but um, I just think it's connected. It's all connected,
0: okay, related question. I know obviously that you're married and you're a mom, but. Yeah. Curious what your perspective, coming from that standpoint, is of um, dating culture and being a single woman in 2023. What's it
1: look like from the other side looking back at us and what's going on? Well, I'm not so full transparency. I'm not like up to date on the apps and sort of what's going on in dating culture, So I can only answer this from the truth of myself, which is that the thing that I really miss about dating is that I felt like it was this opportunity to keep seeing myself in new ways. Like, because you sort of see yourself through the eyes of this new person and I just think my biggest fear in life is that like that I stop growing. And I think that's actually a huge mm. that's like my biggest fear about marriage is that like we wake up each morning and we've already decided who the person is and we don't let them become who they're becoming. Which by the way happens like you told you it happens all day long, but I think like my biggest intention as a married person is to keep fresh eyes and to be like Okay, but my husband is new today, and he's becoming a, always, constantly becoming. Mm-hmm. And I'm new today, and like, let's not assume that we were who we were yesterday. And what I loved about dating was like, it just felt like I could just sort of keep becoming myself because there were I wasn't attached to how somebody saw me yesterday. So I, I guess that's the only way I can answer that is like, that's definitely what I miss. That's one of my fears is that I stop growing as well, and yeah. that might
0: be one of my fears of. <clears throat> potentially finding a partner is sure. that stagnancy. Is that a word um, that I I see in my friends who are in relationships? Um, yeah. And how it's not just like that their personal growth has seems to be more limited than it used to be, but also like... <laughs> they're just not getting out as much. Like they're not, you know, I try to talk to my friends about what's happening in the world and they'll, they have no idea what's happening outside of their television set. I'm like, you need to go to a museum. You need to get out of the house. You need to go see what's happening. Like join the world. And I know that they want to do those things. They're just limited by the trappings of childcare and marriage and stuff like that. But God, that looks terrifying to me.
1: It gets small. I mean, your world really does get small. And, and, you know, we could talk for days about kind of like the loss of aliveness that can come with with bearing children, as exciting as that can be. But it makes me think about like... So I I had this theory where like I think couples should break up every 7 years and then get back together if they want <laughs> or not. Yes, I I'm on board. Think, I mean please, I don't know if my husband's listening to this but um I am in a relationship where we did have a a massive breakup and it was also timed with like a huge epic kind of professional meltdown for me. It was just like the meltdown of all everything melted down. It's sort of like the breakdown had to happen before the breakthrough and I really do I, I have like so much evidence in my life that like the best stuff always came from the breakdown and it I look back when I think about that period now, I think about it with such longing because I felt so alive because I felt like I was oh just God. literally being reborn. And when I when I was going through it, it felt like such total utter hell. Like just it was just horrible and I thought I was dying and I was like my life is over. And now I I yearn for a period of time that is so kind of transformational. Cause I think that's what happens when we have these breakdowns, mm-hmm. whether you like these big catalytic events, like um whether it's the, you know, you lose a job or you like lose a relationship or you, you leave a relationship, whatever it is, and it's like such deep suffering in the moment. But I also think like those periods of personal rebirth are like so beautiful. I find that really fascinating. Like if you can sort of
0: reframe a horrible thing as a chance to start again. Like how beautiful is that?
1: And let's be clear, the reframe is only revisionist history. Like it's only when I'm in looking back extent. at it. So in the moment right, right, right. I think <laughs> it's like it was so freaking bad. And that's what I think is so interesting about all of us, like what we've gone through with the pandemic, is like we all went through a massive catalytic event, a massive transformation with the pandemic. But then it's like but I'm still living in my same house and I'm still wearing my same pants and I'm still kind of like recording the same podcast. But we have actually all like been changed by a thing. And what's – I think in other change processes, we often like move or we like kind of have this sort of physical shift that helps us market. But I think that's what's been kind of blurry about the pandemic is you're like, but I'm – Walking the same walk. And I like, you know, but I, so it's this disconnect of like, I think I'm kind of a new self, but I'm wearing the same baggy leggings. Would I don't know. That's change. how it always feels for me. Yeah. I'm like, I have those same leggings. I need to get a new pair of leggings, obviously.
0: That's, no, that's so valid. <laughs> that's so true. Like, there, and there's some, there's some like habits that I picked up at the pandemic that I'm still doing. Like, mm-hmm. I literally haven't gone back to the gym yet. I'm still doing like virtual workouts. Which I quite enjoy. But so there's these remnants of like like a weird fever dream almost.
1: Yes. I would love to go to the gym. That sounds like a dream. Just putting it out there. <laughs> we, gotta to, we
0: gotta break you out, Liz. <laughs> so when I was thinking about like what I really wanted to talk to you about today, and like I said, as I started, this sort of came from a little bit of a, a selfish standpoint because I was Thinking about how you kind of helped me or guided me from afar through my dark place and through my transition and what I was struggling with. But I also was thinking, I bet you there's a lot of people that are going through this transitional thing. But while I was thinking, there were a couple words that came up for me. um, And this might be, I feel like a little bit of a hard right turn, but the word was unworthiness. And I actually found an article that you wrote about imposter syndrome. It's called Imposter Syndrome is Cancelled. So <clears throat> the article addresses how to unlearn patterns of low self-worth and its sister feeling of feeling incompetent or untalented, aka imposter syndrome, which I'm sure is not a new concept to anybody. But I find it really interesting that in an article you said it was statistically more prevalent in women. So let's start at the beginning. Why do you think high-achieving, intelligent women believe themselves to be unworthy of success?
1: Because a culture has taught us that us in our fully expressed, fully sovereign, fully successful selves um, is a literal threat to everything. So... If we keep believing we're imposters every time we get close to feeling fully expressed, rising up like all of the things that we yearn for, being fully seen, fully um, in our voices, fully do you know, fully kind of becoming who we're meant to be. Um, when we all do that, the culture as we know it will not exist because the culture as we know it is built on women and other marginalized folks deferring to the traditional people in power. So the reason the thing that has helped me with imposter syndrome mm-hmm. which by the way I still deal with every day yeah. is to give it a to to think about it as a disease of the culture that I live in and not a personal failure of my own. So even if I'm feeling the feelings of imposter syndrome all day long, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to white supremacist patriarchy. And the, the mm. culture that created it taught me to feel unworthy unless I, I look a certain way and buy a certain thing in all of the ways um, is – that's where it – in my perspective, just my perspective, that's where it came from. And so that's why I think um, some of the kind of self-help-y narratives around like you have imposter syndrome, you're sabotaging yourself, you're the problem, I'm like – No, no, every woman I know is dealing with this. Therefore, it's that we have to look at the water that we're swimming in, not the, you know, beautiful frickin fish in the sea.
0: Yeah. I love this uh, quote. I just wrote it down. I'm just going to read it back to you. What if the plague of women's unworthiness belongs not to the woman, but to the culture that produced her? We can no longer talk about imposter syndrome, self-doubt, and unworthiness in women and other marginalized identities without acknowledging the culture and the context from which it was produced. So stemming on that, I'm curious if you think, like put in the context of hashtag single, do you think our culture is somehow contributing to Women's sense of like unworthiness in dating. I know that's like maybe a reach, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just. We talk about like, yeah,
1: yes, like my babies don't feel unworthy. It doesn't exist. So it is a feeling we are taught to have. It's not Mm -hmm. who we are. So the idea that worth comes from not being single or being single either way. But like the idea that worth comes from anything other than your humanness, I think is a cultural construct. Now it's the hardest thing in the world. Like, and it's like right now, literally, I mean, it is the biggest work of my life right now because I like recently started a therapy process and the therapist like blew up my whole life. But anyway, the point is- my work, like all of my inner work, personal work right now is on just this idea of like unconditional worth and unconditional mattering and that there's no move I can make in my life. There's no thing I can do that will kind of make me more worthy or less worthy. But it requires for me just a sort of rejection of everything I had constructed, which in my personal opinion is from the culture, is that like yeah, you're we all have a thing, right? You're better because you make more money or you're better because you're, you know, married or you're better because you're not married. It's it's personal, but it's also like there's patterns in the way what we're teaching people about worthiness.
0: I, I 100% agree and I think that like it's it's what's the word I want? Like it's like insidious, meaning it's sort of in the air we breathe. Like I think we yes. absorb it without even being like totally conceptually aware that it's happening at all the times. Cause I think a lot of us like to think of ourselves as above it, right. We're able to filter out like how we're influenced by patriarchal systems or societal systems that say you have to be married at a certain age or you have to be a mother or something like that. Um, Or you have to be straight. And I think a lot of us are ahead of the game. We're sort of like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. we get that. And we like, we have accepted that that's all bullshit, but yeah. how does it, it, it's just curious to me, like how, how it shows up after accidentally or in your subconscious, Mm -hmm. like when I'm dating. I guess the theory that I'm sort of working with is like, does this potential thought of being unworthy, could it potentially be a self-sabotaging negative manifestation of this isn't working for me? Does that
1: make sense? Say more.
0: Well, like I'm, I guess I'm thinking it's like if you've been on, for example, not me, but yes me, if you've been on dating apps for ten years or so, right, and you deal with as much bullshit as as <laughs> as those of us who are on dating apps know is out there, mm-hmm. um, i I think there is a sense of it's not that i'm I'm unworthy of the people on the app, but perhaps I feel like I am unworthy of the thing
1: I'm chasing. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of two things there that are so interesting to me. I mean, the last part, right, like I think that's really challenging with kind of a lot of stuff about the internet, which is like there's a lot of places on the internet that can really contribute to that feeling of unworthiness. And yet there's sort of a reason to mm-hmm. be there. So it's a, it's like you there's a reason for you to be on those apps, and you're noticing like this is really not helping the cause. <laughs> you know, right, of like right. feeling good and trusting myself, which I think yes, it, to trust yourself in this lifetime, if you are a woman or any other marginalized identity is the work of a lifetime to trust yourself because you were taught not to trust yourself. Yeah. Your trust, trust the outside voices, not yourself. So I just think anything that's going to pull you from trusting yourself, it's it's hard you know because it like i mean i i feel that way honestly about this now uh, and the way a lot of people i think are feeling about social media is that same way is like it, it's it's sort of in some ways it's taking you from yourself um so i can really feel that tension mm-hmm. around a dating app because but and also it's sort of the way you can potentially meet people but the second thing that i think is so interesting about what you said um around unworthiness and the dating app is like the coach in me is like so what happens when you're worthy? Like if it's making you, you know, so then what's possible when you do let yourself feel worthy and what, um, who are you when you're worthy? I think sometimes that opens up new parts of ourselves and kind of calls forth new parts of ourselves that might be laying dormant. Just a thought.
0: I love that. I actually I mean I
1: it's such a clusterfuck of emotions and psychology
0: like dating apps like I feel like I'm so worthy and I'm so valuable that yeah. I feel like that I then don't actually give anyone enough time to show themselves so that's oh, why I that was sort of coming sense. at it from that self sabotaging manifestation of like Well, this thing made me feel unworthy because no one wanted to date me. But then I remembered that I was super worthy and they're the problem. And so it's this like snake eating its tail, right? Like you're right. There are very few other options or at least the expectation to meet people is like all online now. Um, So it's like, well, this is the system that I have to get the thing that I want. But this thing that I want is giving me all these like negative associations that – Trying to not feed into, but you can't help but feeling both things at the same time.
1: Yeah, I really feel that, and I think I also think what's so relatable is that I think this. I hear this from so many women is this simultaneous feeling that I'm like, I am a freaking goddess. Like, there's this waking up that we've all been doing over the last several years, which is like, I'm literally the creative power of the universe, and so are you, and so are you, and we all are. Yeah. And like, we're goddesses, and. I feel like trash. Like, and and it's just like, how can those two thoughts be in my body at yes. the same time? But, and also like, how can I welcome them? Cause they are just, it it is all present, you know, inside of myself. Um, it's something interesting too, Jeanette, is like, I wonder too if something's trying to change. Like I just think so often when it's like all the – kind of the negative emotions come up and like the feeling of block and the feeling like I don't know if I want to be here. Like I think I've noticed just as observing people's lives for so many years now, it's like I think that those – feelings, which all feel like they're going in the wrong direction, they start to come up when something underneath is trying to change and like the story is trying to to kind of get bigger or get different. Mm. And your life is just trying to move. And I love this concept. It came from Tara Sophia Moore. I just love her work and and she just has this idea that like your life is its own entity and it's kind of trying to speak to you. Like it's not yourself. Like your it's you and then there's your life and that if you can like Listen to what your life is trying to say underneath all of the feelings. Um and sometimes I think that all the kind of drama feelings come up when our life is trying to speak to us. So who knows what it is, But I think it, it sometimes it's just like, oh, maybe you're exactly right. Like a story is trying to change that the story is trying to kind of get bigger or evolve, but it sucks the way it happens because <laughs> it's always like <laughs> just yeah. the feelings of, yeah. I'm going to pull up Instagram and read you a social media post that you wrote. It's um, great because I was—I <laughs> I don't remember anything after having two kids. So, you know, like it'll feel like it's brand new to me.
0: Um, you were talking about your son, Mateo,
1: teething. Do you remember oh. this post? No, I remember nothing, Jeanette. No. So, so fill me in.
0: <laughs> you were talking about how um, – I, th- I think it was more about how this uh, what we were sort of generating on, which is this these moments of transition, and they're very physically apparent in children. Like when they're going through physical yeah. transitions, yeah. they're disasters. They're little tornadoes, right? Yeah. So, but how does that manifest in adult life? Um, it's it's a little trickier. It's a little more internal. And so, you were like, if you are feeling any of these things, you know, including paralyzing self doubt, angst, or creative rashiness, which is word I love, uh, a feeling like nothing is happening around your work, which you decide is your fault, increased levels of insecurity, fear, imposter syndrome, as we've been talking about, questioning everything, feeling scattered with lots of ideas and an ab- inability to choose a focus, lack of motivation or inspiration slash feeling of dryness, uh, a vicious bout of perfectionism that you are ke- that's keeping you from releasing your work, systems or strategies that want- once worked start breaking down, and then applying to grad school, which is just a hilarious moment. Um, I'm not applying to grad school, but um, this this idea of like, oh, hey, if you're feeling any of these things, like stop, like your life is not a failure or disaster, but perhaps you are in a moment of major, major transition, and you are just disconnected from your subconscious, or you're disconnected from your energy source, and you don't you don't know why this is going on, but something is going to happen.
1: It's what I've observed to be true. Like, that's my job, right? I, like, watch people in their creative processes, in their work, and in their lives. Like, that is my job, to watch and listen and to respond to that. And so I've watched it so many times (laughs) to know that usually after those periods – something happens like a a breakthrough really does happen but i think that the difference is that when my son's teething we're like oh he's teething we expect this like really crappy part and i was even saying in the article i think that there's an app where you like go in with your kids and like the app tells you like prepare for crazy times, you know, it's going to be that. that. If there's a storm cloud and you're like, (laughs) it doesn't make the storm any better, but at least I know the storm cloud is normal. And I think one of the things that that happens in adulthood is you're like, oh, I never get to all of the storms are culturally inappropriate so that every time I get to a storm, which is actually kind of part of being human, part of a change process, part of like living an awake life, I'm invisible kind of like if let's when you don't know what you're like let's just take an example of somebody who's like, I thought I wanted a thing and now I'm not sure if I want a thing and I may be wanting something else mm. and that thing and that life I thought I was moving toward, I actually don't know if I want, but I don't know what I'm moving toward yet. That's like so uncomfortable to our culture because our our culture is like, who are you? What do you do? What's your goal? And, you know, how are you impressive? And if you don't have that list for our culture, you feel worthless culturally and invisible. When what's actually happening is your life is trying to become more of itself and you're trying – you know, everything is going to get better and more truthful and more beautiful. But I think what's so hard is you feel like I feel so unseen and sort of like invaluable when really, how are you also gonna get there? Like you got to have the confusion to kind of confusion mm-hmm. is the is the prerequisite to sort of that clarity. But I think we accept the teething because we're like, oh, they're kids. but this is the adult version of teething. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's like you're something new is trying to grow in and it's painful. Um. And suffering, but I also think you're really in touch with, yeah, I mean, I per- it's just my personal belief that it's like an incredibly sacred process. Um, I just don't think we like it. We like before and after shows. We like, here she was before. You know, I do too. I watch these home makeover shows and I cry like buckets. I'm like, I love watching the end. You know, they transform the whole thing. But it's like, <laughs> there was crap in the middle of that and that crap is actually right they were living with vital. 8 months of dust that nobody talked about yeah, yeah but that's not tv good tv you know the the transformation story sells when you skip the middle but it eclipses your your kind of human experience which i think gets confusing cuz then you're thinking my life is supposed to be like the before and after but i'm in this middle for a long time and it feels messy
0: yeah I think about that in in relation to dating all the time because one of the things I've struggled with is like people constantly kind of telling me, not even like trying to say things to inspire me, but telling me that something will happen in the end. You're going to meet someone, hang in there. It's just not your time. You're in yeah. the middle right now. Like. Eventually, it will happen. And the thing that pisses me off is like, you don't know that. I don't know that. I'm we're all totally out of control in terms of the timing. And if I ever meet someone, so but people feel better knowing that like, oh, Jeanette won't be single forever. How could she be? She's so valuable. She's so wonderful. She's fun. She's smart. She's pretty, right? But it only makes sense to them if they know that this is not my forever. And I've been trying Mm. to push back and be like, hey. It might be my forever. And I need to get okay with that. And you need to get okay with that too.
1: It's so powerful you know? like thinking about what
0: happens about- if we don't have sorry to interrupt you. If you what
1: what what happens if we don't have a happy ending, you know? And how that's so much about the other person's comfort and sort of the way the way they see the world is being threatened. Very much so.
0: So I mean, like in in talking around this, you know, like when we're struggling and experiencing a negative process, whether it's temporary or whether it is long-term or whether we can't see the ending of it. How do we fall back in love with being open, searching, having curiosity, especially in like a result-driven
1: culture and society? Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, because it also is like, no one knows what's going to happen ever. Like that's what's so interesting about people trying to predict. So it's, it's always so interesting to me when anyone is trying to like make those kind of predict things with certainty. Um, there's a couple of things that like I'll always kind of invite clients to do when they're going through these kinds of processes and like the first is just like tell the truth about everything like that the truth is always going to be the the strategy and the pathway even if the truth is uncomfortable so if if the truth is like I really hate being on dating apps but you want it to be different the number one place we're going to begin is always like the center of your truth. And that that's the most important voice in the room and that we're not trying to solve anything. We're just trying to listen to your truth as deeply as possible. So it's like, and I'm trying to do this with myself right now around my postpartum process, because I just keep being like, well, when am I going to get happy again? You know, like when is the darkness going to go away? And like, I think that the, the thing I've been on the good days trying to say is like, you're just as real when it's dark as you are when it's light. Like even if the culture doesn't like you when it's dark, you're a real human being. Your experience is real. And just like exactly how you're feeling is the only thing we have. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the only thing we have. So that's kind of number one is just like the truth is the strategy. And then the second thing. Is like I love this concept. It comes from Mar- Martha Beck. She's like a she's like the grandmother of life coaching, but she just talks about like this concept of moving toward what feels warm. I don't know. I just love this concept. It's just like and it's sort of just like mm. when you don't know what to do and when things are feeling dark. It's just like what is one thing that just feels good? And to me, warmth just means like not pressure and not trying to like make myself mm-hmm. want a thing I don't want. And it's not trying to be like toxically positive. It's just like, what is one thing that feels good? You know, what is sort of like one little bit of warmth? And is that like, it's not the end all solve. It's just like moving toward warmth. That's such a beautiful way to
0: approach it. Because I think like theoretically, everything that we do in life should come from a place that makes us feel good. It's like a real easy statement because how ridiculous life isn't always fun makes us feel good. But we forget that in all moments you can choose to do something totally different. And even if that's just an adjustment in your mindset, I love this idea of like, if you're experiencing discomfort in the moment, just to be like, well, I can't, the whole picture is very difficult.
1: Too much. Yeah. Really
0: exhausting. Yeah. To think about dating as a whole and how do I meet people and how people are behaving and and why men are confused on like what's appropriate behavior <laughs> So when that can feel overwhelming, you just sort of say like okay well what's one thing that can make me feel better in this moment or warm or cozy or bring a smile to my face you know maybe it's it's closing the app maybe it's being like let me get a cookie I don't know
1: yeah, but I think I mean what I the way I would respond to like closing the app is like, If that feels like the most truthful thing you need to do, you are absolutely making a positive step in the direction of your life. Like that's positive, like ending things, quitting things, even if it's for a week. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly powerful move. It just it it's it doesn't feel like a powerful move because it's like, it's a stopping of a thing, but it's actually totally making space for something else. We don't know what it is. It could be just new flow to come into your life. But anytime you say like, I'm going to stop kind of trying to fit myself into a thing that does not right, feel right for me at this time. Um, I just think you need to celebrate yourself. (laughs) Anyone who's like, "I, I just feel like I need to like quit this thing for a minute, quit the thing. And then see, then you just see what happens in that new space. And it might be that like when enough people are, something is not working for them, that's when creative ideas are born. You know, your frustration, whoever you are with that is real and it's valid. And I think there's power in the telling the truth about it. It makes me think of something interesting. I
0: was talking about my frustration around like why I was making my podcast and I felt like a I'd let people down, I'd let myself down. I didn't know why I wasn't doing it and I don't know what I was doing. But, you know, what you were talking about makes reminds me of that. Well, can and I what ask we you were a saying question? earlier about like trying to take clues?
1: Yeah. Did what did the break what insight did you get from the break?
0: I knew that I was having a block around it for a reason. That was one of the weirdest things about it. Like I was like, I know that I'm I'm stuck. I know why I'm not doing it, but I don't I don't know why I'm not doing it. Do
1: you know what I mean? So right. Yes, um, it's stuck. It doesn't always. I think that's so important is that you don't usually know what really is. You feel something before you know what's happening, yes. I think. You know, the woman who ended up posting her podcast
0: about um, about having podcasters block, Um, she was just like, I wonder if you started the podcast and you had a specific need in 2018 to like – not feel so isolated as a single person and connect to your community. And I I really wanted to destigmatize being single and and normalize it and find other people and be like, hey, this is okay, and and you and I are gonna be okay. And she said, you know, it's been four years, so I wonder if that need has been met. It's that simple. Um, So I think maybe that was my biggest takeaway, was, was honoring that when you start something, a couple of years later, as we sort of talked about earlier, like you can be a different person and you could, we forget to check in and be like, what did I want back then and what do I want now?
1: It's an interesting parallel that we're actually in a relationship with our creative work and a particular creative project, you know, like going back to the marriage metaphor of like, I want to make sure that we're both letting ourselves be new people every day. I actually think that like creative work is here to help you become the next version of yourself. And so it sounds like that's being reflected back in a few places where it's like, so maybe you're becoming happened like through this particular chapter of it. And so it's now it's trying to, it's sort of hasn't the, there's a new story that's trying to be written here and it, you know, it might be through the podcast, but it, it's definitely going to be the question might end up being different because you've changed now and you have to create from the new person that you are, as opposed to kind of the person who started it.
0: I love that. And, you know, there's one sort of to sum it up. I wanted to ask you sort of like bring this back to a conversation that I feel like we've had many times, something that you asked me, like recurring theme in your work is this key phrase, do the next brave thing. And I wanted to ask you, this may be like a really big question, but What do you think the next brave thing is for women right now? And what might it be for single women? It's a biggie.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, It's funny because like the thing that it's making me think about is like, and this happens to all marginalized groups, it's like somebody's like, why is it always like when we talk about women scientists it's always women scientists but when it's like a male scientist scientist it's just a scientist you know he's just they're not grouped in this kind of gender way so there's a part of me that's like whatever the fucking excuse whatever she fucking wants is the next brave thing for that individual woman like i've been personally i don't know if anyone has been feeling this and this is actually my own kind of process of like the kind of person I've been been being publicly for the last several years. I don't know if that's the person I probably won't be that person moving forward. Like I'm changing. I just had two kids. I was totally changed by them. And I've been having this feeling recently where I'm like I just can't think about changing the world every day. Like I literally just have to like right. wake up and be like am I telling the truth to myself? Am I trying to trust myself? Am I trying to, you know, let myself be worthy without all the conditions. And like, maybe that's enough today because I think it's interesting when I heard that question, I was just sort of like the next brave thing is to do exactly what you want to do. <laughs> and for single women, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't speak for you. Um, but to continue, to reject anything that doesn't fit you anymore. Like I just think it's it's that it's like what kind of clothes are we wearing that like I don't want to wear those clothes anymore. Those clothes don't fit. I I'm I've evolved beyond this thing and that feels like a thing we keep talking about today is like to let yourself evolve and change and not let cuz I feel like sometimes when you're single it's like, well, I'm everything's going to change when I meet the person. But really, you're a human being. You're going through all of this change all of the time. And no person defines that for you. And by the way, then you get married and then it's like really hard to change. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's like giving ourselves permission to do what we want and to change. Oh, it's so beautiful.
0: I, I mean, there's so many things that that you have said today and we've said in this conversation that really resonate both with me and my year, but I think too of what a lot of people are going through as we sort of talk about this transition of discontent and dating. And I think maybe it's just as simple as like owning and speaking your truth, being worthy without conditions, and like letting yourself evolve. I think there's – it's so simple. And it's so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Like a cool creative exercise we could all do is just like imagine we're turning the page on whatever it is for each of us and just be like, okay, new story, new chapter. And without thinking, just like write the title of the chapter. You know, it is a time of new beginnings. And I feel like giving ourselves permission to kind of begin begin again is a thing that I'm really thinking about a lot. Mm.
0: Hell yeah. Hell Yeah. And I, I just like want to reiterate that back. Maybe just giving ourselves permission. Maybe that's just the, the goal of 2023. Be worthy without conditions and give ourselves permission. Speak your truth. I love that. Liz, I love talking to you. I love how the way your brain works. I love that you you let me ask you hard questions that don't have answers about the world and our culture and our society and, and uh, the difficulty of being an unpartnered woman in it. Um, so gosh, like this has been more than, you know,
1: I'm so happy to speak with you today. It's such an honor. Thank you all. I think I just thank you all for listening.
0: Mm, You're very sweet. I hope, I hope you all who are listening got as much from this episode as I did speaking to Liz. If you want to follow her, I'll make sure to tag her in all our posts as well. And uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for coming back after a long hiatus where I gave nobody any information about when I might return. So I appreciate you listening. And as always, if you feel like this resonated with you and you want to share it with a friend, I encourage you to do so. You can join us over on Instagram at hashtag singlepod as always. And I have a couple more episodes coming up down the pipeline. So I do hope you stay with me, but that is it for this episode y'all. And we will catch you next time.